Hello. You're on with Nick and Fiona. I prefer heavy idealism. Stuff that shows a world that does not exist at all. Welcome to The Playlist, where we talk about TV shows and movies that are worth your time. I'm Fiona Williams, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Bassine. Nick, what are we talking about today? Today, Fiona, we're talking about The Front Runner, which is a Hugh Jackman movie that's out this week, directed by Jason Reitman, which is going to lead into a um, stirring political movie conversation. That's a hope. What we like about uh, those movies, what makes them great. And we've got a little Eurovision tease, a bit of news to share with everybody. And then we're talking about what we've been watching. But first, The Front Runner. Gary Hart is the man to beat in 88. If we hold ourselves to those highest standards, then the voters cannot do otherwise. Senator, I want to ask you some questions about the woman in your townhouse. Can you tell us how you know her? You can't be serious. No one is staying in my home. There's no need for that. Uh, I, I am serious, sir. Oh, cinnamon, where are you gonna run to? The one thing I ask is that you don't embarrass me. We can't hide from this. The cameras go everywhere. It's up to us to hold these guys accountable. Just because some other paper used gossip as front page news, I mean, that doesn't mean we have it to. It does. It does now. He is a man with power, and that takes certain responsibility. We need to say something. It's nobody's business. None of it is. Okay, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about how you get through today. This campaign is about the future, not rumors, not sleaze, and I care about the sanctity of this process, whether you do or do not. This is the story of Gary Hart. He's an American politician. He was a Democratic frontrunner in 1988. It looked like he was going to come away with the whole thing and become the next president. And then his affairs, rumors of affairs started coming out. Scandal. Right. And created... An unexpected scandal. At this point, politicians, I guess they weren't expected to be squeaky clean or all of that stuff was swept under the rug. People didn't cover it. Serious news outlets like the New York Times left that stuff alone. But It was unseemly. Yes. Yes. It was... Um, well, unrelated to the political career, yeah, I suppose. Didn't have to, anything to do with jobs and... Um, Gross. Yeah. Political talking points. And so it was left undiscussed. But discovering that he was having these affairs became huge news and people started to get really into it. I thought it was great. I really liked it. It's got a Robert Altman uh, kind of quality where it's a lot of uh, moving through crowded rooms, hearing little bits of conversations. feels very natural. Mm. Uh, I thought Hugh Jackman was really good. He certainly has charisma to play a politician. Yes. And I liked how conflicted he was because he was very charismatic and, and smart and um, he's got a smile that'll light up a room. <laughs> You, you've waxed lyrical about um, your beloved Hugh. But uh, although he let me down with that um, Ivanka He's friends business. with the Kushner Trumps. Um, but he's also, he knows that he's dirty, but he's also very adamant that it doesn't matter. Gary Hart. Yeah. H Hugh as yeah, Gary Hart. Hugh. <laughs> Gary Hart. And so I thought that was really interesting. And of course, in terms of American politics, it's very relevant now because in 1988, people started to care about these kinds of things, about affairs and um, how morally upstanding you are as a politician. And now- Not so much. Know, <laughs> yes. No, people don't care. I don't know mm. if you would say that Donald Trump is open about what a- Unscrupulous uh, morally, individual yeah, he yeah. is. Is he- uh, Well, on yeah. recordings, he certainly is. Um, it's kind of quaint to me that this movie- shows a time when it 
had repercussions that sort of the hypocrisy of elected leaders contributed to their downfall. And certainly now in terms of people who campaign on a family values platform or court the family vote, you know, Trump has done that, that didn't have any consequences when secret recordings and tapes come out. Right. So it's, it's quaint to see a movie from about events 30 years ago when yeah. this started well, to matter. Maybe there's a big difference in that Donald Trump, his his biggest talking points are um, immigrants are scary and um, what, what else? What are, what are the other? Um, nightmarish. Everyone's going to be rich. Anyway. Doesn't matter. The point is he doesn't. I mean, it matters. <laughs> I mean, he's been married three times. He's not I mean, he fakes it with the evangelicals who exactly. love him for some reason. But Gary Hart was very much a family man. Mm. And that's the image he presented. So I guess that was a, a big difference. So I actually haven't seen The Front Runner. I mean, I would imagine, given that it's coming out now, it makes you think about the difference between 1988 and now, like we've just done. Yes. Is it, is it Does it do that effectively? Is, yeah, or is uh, it a historical piece about the Gary Hart campaign and how it derailed? Well, very effectively, I think, because it's so there's an affair. He has an affair and he's photographed like there. His mistress is photographed going into his house and they run the photos and there's a huge uproar about how could they do that? Those journalists, they, they're the the morally reprehensible part right. of all of this. It shouldn't matter. And there's a very real discussion about that, which is mm. fascinating because like now it, it goes without saying that you would, yes, this... Well, the debates do still happen. And here in Australia, it's it's happened as well. Sort of the, the newsworthiness is questioned if it's about a politician's private life compared to their public platform. And I think there have been cases made that if their policies relate to a family values kind of a way of thinking, but they're clearly, yeah. they're not practising what they're preaching, quite literally, then... The justification is, well, it's completely newsworthy because it's exposing their policies as a lie. So I guess this kind of film and those kind of debates, there's applications around the world for So it's not specific to the Gary Hart situation, but yeah, you can bring- It asks larger questions about what what people need and want from their leaders. Um, Because I do think there's a, a little bit of a sense that we ask too much from these people. Like we ask them to be saintly in some way because we're- theoretically looking up to them and they're supposed to lead us and be inspirational in some way, right? Um, <laughs> maybe just effective <laughs> leaders. Yeah, I wouldn't bring the saintly and the whatnot, but yeah, more just be authentic. and <laughs> Authenticity, yeah, know, certainly. But that's, um, yeah, certainly Donald Trump has that. I liked this because it's set at a certain time, but it speaks very much to the current time. And I mean, it's got the typical... Um, campaign stuff on the trail everybody's running around that's kind of fun all the fast talking smart uh young um idealists are on the campaign so that's fun and i in my political movies i like i prefer heavy idealism stuff that shows a world that does not exist at all generally but still you know has a has something to say about but it's aspirational and makes you want to yeah lean into that so stuff like dave where Kevin Klein just stumbles into the presidency and he's a super nice guy, the American president, stuff like that. These aren't pot boilers. These aren't your political no. pot boilers. So. What about you? What do you like? Oh, I mean, well, one of the great political movies is about a school election. 
election. Yes, election. <laughs> which has all of that. It has the tenacity and the rivalry and the ambition and the drive and the resentment and it's all in this kind of – I love these like a Petri dish kind of a movie. It's about a school election but it's got all the human elements that – Yeah, I love are, that movie. All over the place for um, that are so relevant for much bigger elections that have wider ramifications. So yeah, that's a favorite of mine. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is one of my favorites. I mean, a lot of these movies I've seen a long time ago, but the Mr. Smith Goes Mr. Smith Goes to Washington ends with Jimmy Stewart on the Senate floor, um, or maybe it was the House. Doesn't matter. He ha- he's got a huge filibuster. It lasts for hours and hours, so he can. Um, I don't, I don't know what he's trying to do, but it lasts a long time and it's very emotional. It's a big payoff and it's very ideal. It's about how the system should work. See, on the idea of like it's a – going back to um, The Front Runner, it's a 30-year-old movie relevant to now and they're always good. But when they miss their mark and like it's a time capsule but it's relevant to now, something like W, the um, yeah. Oliver Stone, George W. Bush biopic of a couple of years ago, didn't work because I think it was too close to the time. Like I think it missed its moment and it didn't work for me for a few reasons. Did you feel you felt similarly about Vice? I don't know where I land on Vice. Like I enjoyed watching it, Vice currently in cinemas. Um, it was either too soon or too late or purely only made for now. I wonder how it's going to stack up in a decade or yeah. so if I were to rewatch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it tried to do all of that. It tried to be everything. Yeah. I enjoyed it while I was watching it, but I, I haven't really thought about it since, and it's kind of getting hammered. It's not doing all well, it's that. it's got a bunch of nominations. True, yes, but critically and it's not really yeah. firing with audiences. So it's a funny one, and I, I think it's that timing or how, how overtly it points to now because there, it does have that montage of fire and brimstone which kind of very overtly says this is how we got to where we are. So I, I guess for me it's also the tonal thing of – I don't like to be hit over the head with meaning, meaning, meaning and draw conclusions here. Like it's, I like more subtlety in the way political movies speak to contemporary times if they're about something that's not contemporary. Right. So what do you think about the relevance of political movies in terms of shifting the debate or public perception of an issue? Like I think I found a a study from a few years ago that said that, um, Broadly, people are moved in different political directions on an issue based on some hugely popular movie. Sure. Like JFK. Yeah. Apparently made people um, very suspicious or more suspicious of the government. Mm. The Day After Tomorrow, it's not an explicitly political. Well, I suppose it is in a sense about global warming. That made people a little bit more aware of the issues surrounding global warming, that kind of thing. Mm. I just wonder about this current crop like what it does. Like Vice is Vice. One of the criticisms is that it's not convincing anybody the same lefties are going to go. Yeah, but also I think people are more aware of the political environment now. Like Trump's in the news every other day. Yeah, yeah. In in a way no other president, to the extent that no other president, yes. like a daily coverage of everything that's happening, it, it, this feels new. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably the fact that there are 24-hour news cycles now, whereas... With Clinton, there wasn't. Which sort of speaks to a movie that's on currently on catch-up at SBS On Demand, Fahrenheit... 11.9. 11.9. I almost went the other way. Um, Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 
which is one of his best movies. Mm. We've talked about it. It's one of his best movies in a, in a long time, but it's, well, I was left wondering, does this move the needle? Like, does does this shift public perception? Or is it so ingrained at this point that Michael Moore is... Well, with Michael Moore, I think people think they know what they're going to get. Yeah. And that probably, for some people, is a disincentive to watch. And that's to their detriment, I think, with this film, because I like we have spoken about it, and I think it's one of his best in a long time, yeah. for the way it touches on his other films and his personal history with his hometown and Bowling for Columbine and gun control. That's all in this in showing the lead up to how we got where we are. And the second part of the film is how do we get out of it? So, yeah, I think it's the best aspects of what Michael Moore does effectively as a filmmaker. And I, I would hope that people give it a chance because, it, yeah, it's, it's great. And, yeah, it is on demand. Have you, have you ever seen – occasionally I'll see a trailer for one of those super crazy, super right-wing, crazy conspiracy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Dinesh D'Souza, he did one about, I mean, he's done one about how Obama's the devil or something. Crazy, crazy mm. stuff. Have you ever watched any of those kinds of movies? No, no I haven't. I'm very curious. That's going to be my what I've been watching okay. next week. Look forward to it. So The Front Runner and Vice, they're, I think they're both in theaters, currently yes. in theaters. Fiona, you love Eurovision. Guilty as charged. You're on the record. Watched it for years. The weekend after this one, there's a big event happening in the Gold Coast. It sure is, for SBS Australia. We are having, first time ever, we're opening up to the public to vote, to decide who Australia sends to oh compete at the Eurovision Song Contest in Tel Aviv in Do you May. think they're ready? Who? The public. <laughs> well, they better be. Yeah, they it's better next be. weekend, people. Get your phone out and text when we tell you to. Uh, yes, yeah, so first time ever. Rather than in pre- in the last couple of years, as long as Australia's been at Eurovision, we've nominated, it's been announced, this is who's going. This time round, there are 10 contenders and Australia gets to choose who it is. We have a live show where the acts go through their paces and you go, all right, that's the one I like, text off my vote. And off they go. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting. So Saturday, February 9 on SBS Australia, prime time. You can watch the live show and cast your vote about who you want to send. One of the ten. Vote as much as you want. It's all fine. And you could potentially win a trip to the Gold Coast through oh, voting. Wow. But it's a huge weekend. So that's the broadcast on Saturday night. But prior to that, if you're around the Gold Coast, Friday night you can also go along. There is what's called the jury show where a professional jury of industry insiders and whatnot cast their vote on who should go. So that's kind of an industry decision and that comprises 50% of the overall vote. You with me? Yeah, gotcha. (laughs) So half of that, Friday night, there's a live event that public can go to to watch. It's the same show and the jury decides. Then there's another show on Saturday afternoon you can watch. It's another as live event, but that one's not broadcast either. Saturday night, live on SBS Australia, you watch the live final during which you can get out your phone and vote. So that vote is the other half of the tally. So Australia decides, jury decides, combine the vote, that's who's going to compete at Eurovision. And if that's a bit of an information overload, you can find out more at sbs.com.au slash Eurovision. Amazing. I know, right? Because people are very opinionated about who yeah. Australia sends, right? <laughs> so now, now they decide. You can decide. have a say. Yeah, yeah. exactly. If you who want to send someone, want? Yeah. do it. Cast your vote. It's going to um, be great. Is it too late for me to perform? Yes. It's a shame. 
So now we come to the part of the show where we talk about what we've been watching. I think we've been watching a lot of stuff. Mm. It's that's that time of year, I think. It's yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Staying indoors, mm. away from the sun. What have you been watching? Well, I've just recently come back from a film festival. I had a week on the mid-New South Wales north coast at Screenwave International Film Festival, which uh, is a great little festival. It- what is their theme or whatever? Like, what's the idea behind it? Uh, well, it's a regional area and it's bringing some local documentaries, Australian documentaries, but also world cinema. So some of the best films that have done the main city film festival circuit, some films from the Sydney Film Festival, for instance, premiere up there. So it's quite broad and it's a like there's a lot of art house as well as documentary and a couple of popular oh, cool. mainstream stuff as well. It's what really did you good. See? Ugh, what did I see? I... To my eternal shame, well, not anymore because I've rectified it, but I had not seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, Coen Brothers oh, movie. Really? I know, right? Interesting. Um, but now I have. They, <laughs> but I saw it with a live musical accompaniment, which oh, was great. Oh, they uh, played all the bluegrass. There was a bluegrass band. That's amazing. Enhancing what was on the screen, but also singing over the top of it, encouraging you to boo when John Goodman comes on screen and stomp your feet when they break rocks. It was great. Great way to watch it. it. So like now fun. I want to watch all my movies that way yeah, with right. musical accompaniment. That's great. Yeah, that was excellent. Um, I also saw, it's coming out soon, so we might speak about it when you've seen it, but there's a new Mads Mikkelsen movie, Arctic. Mm, I've which, seen a trailer. Yeah. It's very spooky and... Um, well, it's one of those great survival stories yeah. of one person just trying to <laughs> survive. It's trying to make it. kind of an all is lost or a gravity, but in the Arctic. And I saw some documentaries, Backtrack Boys, a local documentary. That- Backstreet Boys? No. Oh, sorry. I always, I always. You're not the first to make that mistake. No. (laughs) Backtrack Boys, uh, uh, an Australian documentary um, about kind of a guy in Armadale with a program to help kids in trouble and like get them out of town and out of trouble and focus on taming wild dogs um, and in so doing taming wild young men. So it's quite quite a touching documentary. It's great. And that's doing some screenings around as well. You might be able to catch it if it's in your local area. So another great one, Happy Sad Man, which will probably get released later in the year, looking at men's mental health, um, speaking about depression in a way that a lot of men don't. Uh, That's from Genevieve Bailey, who directed I Am Eleven a few years ago. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, great little film about the universal age of 11 and kids around the world experiencing that. Um, Yeah, a lot of good, great stuff. Fantastic. Been watching a lot. Okay. What about you? What have you been watching? I'm spending a lot of time, uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, catching up for the Oscars. Um, <laughs> still, still catching up. A lot furious, to watch. Furious that the Mr. Rogers documentary didn't get nominated. I yeah. couldn't believe it. How much do I have to cry before uh, a movie gets nominated? Well, That's I see my that. Question. I see that and raise you with three identical strangers that didn't get nominated. Oh my either. god! That's right? one of the best movies of the year. These people are crazy. Anyway, I watched one that was nominated <laughs> in the documentary category, Free Solo. Ah, okay. I've not seen it yet, but... I mean, it is... I get it. I get why it's nominated. <laughs> it's very good. It's uh, something else. Free soloing uh, for those who... I mean, I... I did I Doesn't know? matter. Anyway. <laughs> what is it? Um, it's when you scale uh, vertical, flat mountains uh, without any ropes. Mm. So there are just little rivets and things and you put your feet on those and climb up and put a lot of chalk on your hands and for the best yes (laughs) and it is astounding what this one lunatic 
uh, Come on. did. I mean, he's like he's not wired the way they did a, an MRI on his brain, and he mm. doesn't have that thing in there that makes people afraid mm-hmm. of climbing a uh, a mountain. Freestyle. Mm. So he is absolutely fascinating. There is an emotional disconnect where he's not, he doesn't connect with people. He doesn't get an emotional charge out of, I guess, what an average person might. And um, even well, that would be less exciting than climbing a I mean, it's, mountain. this is, it's not, and it's not even a thrill. It's just, sure. this is pleasure for him. This, yeah. this is where, this is how he enjoys. We mm. go to movies. This is how he enjoys himself. <laughs> and okay if, he, the movies. if he slips, he dies. And yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. goes into yeah. all the people that have died. Mm. It's um, Horrifying. And I understand the filmmakers who are friends of his, there are moments where they are debating whether or not they should be filming what might oh, be yes. that moment. Those Some of those moments where they do such a great job of, because it's beautiful and majestic. It's mm. Yosemite. El Capitan is a, an amazing mountain and it's beautiful. But then watching the filmmakers who just can't, like, I'm done. This is it. I can't <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Because it's, it's terrifying. And yeah, it's just great. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And um I highly recommend it. The other thing I was watching was um, a new show um, called Sally Forever. It's uh, from Julia Davis. I don't want to get into too many details. I I think Julia Davis is incredibly uh, talented and British uh, comedian. She did yeah. Nighty Night. Nighty Night. Yeah, that's great. Um, and a few other shows. And she's, I guess, probably no most maybe for her darkness. I mean, she <laughs> is not afraid to go to certain places. So there's a lackluster marriage that Julia Davis breaks up. She moves in with the um with the woman Sally and it's just so nasty and it's I, I really liked it. I think it's very funny. I do like her that really acerbic yeah. comedy. It's mm. it's uncomfortable but very funny watching. Great. <laughs> so that's that's coming to Foxtel next week. All right. Um, I think that about wraps it up. That's right. Make sure you get on to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to SBS The Playlist. Leave us um, many stars, many reviews. Helps people find the show. If you want to get in touch, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at SBS Movies. I'm on Twitter at Nick Bassine. I'm on Twitter at Anything But Fifi. The Playlist is produced by Dan Barrett with audio and mixing by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next week. Thanks for listening.